Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Welcome aboard another great episode of the Sync Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, Bill Wagner, and our producer, Chris Cervello. This is our midweek Memphis pregame um, podcast where we predict what's going to happen. We're going to break down what we need to do in order to get a win. And on this podcast, very happy uh, to be joined by the two coaches for Navy Sailing and sailing legend, Gary Jobson. Um, so let's get right to it. The Memphis Tigers, you know, no rest for the wicked, as I am wont to say. Uh, Navy gets this short week this week, has to has to brush off the dust, uh, look itself in the mirror, and and now face off against a very good Memphis team that started the year like gangbusters, scoring a bunch of points, beat a very good Mississippi State team from the SEC, and then inexplicably has kind of gone on a slump um they've lost three in a row they lost to university of texas san antonio inexplicably um lost to a pretty good temple team that hung in for the first half against uh cincinnati and then got smoked by tulsa we really didn't get smoked but lost 35 to 29 so obviously a lot of points get scored by this memphis team 42 55 31 third uh 28 34 and 35. So kind of like SMU, um, we are looking at a high powered, high octane offense here on the road, uh, prime time on national TV. Wags, I have to ask, you know, the, gone are the days of Paxton Lynch and the athletes that we knew we're gonna, we were going to see on Sundays. This is not as good and not as talented of a Memphis team. What do we need to do in order to, to figure out what we did wrong um, and and actually win back some of the momentum so that we can get a win down there uh, in Memphis. Well, first of all, let's address the short week because Coach Kenny Amatololo was asked about that in his postgame presser following the SMU game. You know, what, what do you think of short week coming off loss? And he said, from a physical standpoint, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, they had a very physical game with SMU. Obviously, we talked about SMU's defensive front really stonewalling Navy's offensive line. That's a lot of pounding that was happening up front. So, you know, you're going to be sore and beat up, and you don't have as much recovery time. You've only got three days to try to recover and play another football game, which, uh, you know, just a quick aside, I'm not sure people quite understand what these players' bodies are like after a football game. I mean, it is, especially the, the defensive players and the interior linemen, I mean, it's just a, a, a brutal, you know, you're knocking bodies all day, every play, and uh, you feel it the next day, it, you, and it takes time to recover. But Coach, Coach Niamatololo did think from a mental standpoint, maybe it wasn't so bad to get back out on the field and play another game, get the bad taste out of the mouth. So that kind of a two uh, sides of that uh, deal as far as the short week. Um, with regard to Memphis, uh, John, I do think they have some pretty good players. Um, 
Calvin Austin, the third, uh, he might be on playing on in the NFL. He's pretty darn good. Um, this guy came in as a track superstar. That's what he was known as a, a basically a high school, all American track athlete, but he has converted himself into an outstanding football player. And he was named first team, all American athletic conference last season. And he's already putting up massive numbers this season. Uh, Calvin Austin is pretty darn good. They're rolling with a true freshman quarterback, Seth Hennigan. Um, his numbers are good, and he hasn't thrown as many interceptions as I would have thought. Um, but he's a true freshman, so maybe Coach Newberry can dial up some things to get that guy off of his game. He, uh, Navy played pretty well against a true freshman quarterback in Central Florida, Mikey Keene. So maybe uh, that's a good thing for Navy, going against a true freshman quarterback. So on that note, on the note of the secondary, Wags, I know you wanted to make a point um, about the uh, about the targeting call and who's available for this week. Yeah, John, when you asked me about the uh, targeting call on Navy cornerback Jamal Glenn during our SMU postgame pod, um, I had mistakenly thought that had occurred in the second half, and therefore I said that Jamal Glenn would have to sit out the first half against Memphis. But in fact, that infraction occurred late in the first half which means that Jamal Glenn does not have to sit out any of the Memphis game. He will be able to start and play the full contest. That is good news, particularly as we are facing a high-powered offense. Memphis scores a lot of points. They also they give up a lot of points, John. I mean, my God, Arkansas State scored 50 on them. Um, so, you know, I got to feel that Navy should be able to score if they can get the offense together and – and play Navy football. I mean, this team's given up 35 to Tulsa, 34 to Temple, uh, 31 to, to Tennessee State, UTSA, uh, 50 to Arkansas State. I mean, this team, they their defense doesn't look like it's too swift to me, John. It's lining up to be one of those shootouts on, you know, on your midweek primetime college football game, which I think is entertaining and great. I just don't know if we can shoot it out anymore. Um, you know, we keep saying uh, during our mid-game Instagram hits that the, the thing that's going to be really, really important for us, um, you know, in the successful execution of the offense and a successful execution of the game in general is that we have to have those clock-chewing seven- to eight-minute drives uh, that don't end in field goals, that don't end in a failed fourth down and one conversion because of a false start. Um, we need to convert, and then we need some plays. And, and we found that the plays are out there. You know, Fago's fumble recovery against SMU, big play. Um, Lavatai, you know, just, just kind of taking this team by the reins and leading it and willing it to the win against UCF. You're going to need some breaks. You're going to need some turnovers, and you're going to have to avoid the penalties and turnovers on your side. And that is how you go on the road on a Thursday night on primetime television and don't get smoked and embarrassed. And, and that's really where I was scared um, after the first two to three games of the season was that they were going to head on the road to Memphis in primetime and, and lay an egg and get stomped. And, and, you know, the last couple of games have shown us that that's not necessarily the expectation. But if they make mistakes, they'll sure as hell come out of there with an L because, you know, as we saw against SMU, they just can't make those. So, you know, for me, I'm going to make it very simple. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing the prediction yet. Um, but I, I think that this one, more than anything, is going to rest on Ty Lavatai. And, and I know that he loves that. 
He wants that. Um, he wants to get better. He wants to be able to run that option more efficiently. He's a big kid. The thing that, that Cervello and I were talking about a little bit, and I'd be interested in your take on this, but we get the impression that Ty, for as big and athletic as he is, he just he does not get that extra yard at the end of the play. You know, it always seemed that Malcolm and Keenan and guy like Will Worth, they get hit at the line of scrimmage, and then there'd, all, there'd always be like an extra yard, yard and a half because they fell forward or they were just slippery enough to get that extra yard. Lava Ty, to me, seems like he gets hit and he goes right down. Um, so it, what do you think in terms of, of how key Lavatai is going to be against Memphis? Well, first of all, Ty Lavatai has shown he can get the extra yards. He may not have done it against SMU, but he did it the previous week against Central Florida. He had a lot of tough yards. I mean, he's 220 pounds, and you know he, the, that's one thing the coaches did say about him is he, he tended to always fall forward. But, you know, he's he's not the fleetest guy. His, his foot. His quickness and speed is just not there. I mean, he looks like he's lumbering at times, and that's just maybe that's part of what you're seeing is that, you know, defenders are he's able to catch up with him. But, you know, I think Ty's going to be fine. Um, it, what, he wasn't the problem on, on Saturday against SMU. The, uh, the, the blocking was the problem. There was no holes. So, the, the, and, you know, that we mentioned, we failed to mention that, Navy lost the starting offensive lineman, right tackle, left tackle, rather, Jake Casabella, and they had a, fra- a sophomore making his first career start, Sam Glover. So um, the offensive line needs to get it together. That's where it all starts. And they got to blow Memphis off the ball and create some big openings for the fullbacks, the quarterback, and the slots. That's, that, to me, is what it's all about. Um, I mean, this is a, a very, very critical game if Navy is going to do anything this season because the next week, you're back home against Cincinnati, which is the defending American Athletic Conference champion and a team that looks like it's going to be in the college football playoff, possibly, at least in contention. So it doesn't get any easier. So that really puts the onus on Navy to get a victory even more because that's going to be a tough ass the following week back home against Cincinnati. Yeah. So now at the very, very least, Cincinnati is going to be number three in the country and and worthy unless they do something completely weird this coming Saturday, a a central Florida team still dealing with a true freshman uh, quarterback and going on the road uh, to, to battle the fighting Luke Fickles. I don't think that that's going to look very good. I think they're going to come in undefeated number three in the country. Cincinnati's loaded. Um, I mean, frankly, that's going to be a big ass for Navy. So that makes getting a win over Memphis even more important because then after hosting Cincinnati, they go on the road to Tulsa. So, uh, got to get a win john that's all there is to it offense has to play better that's where it all starts so yeah i mean here we are it's just it's just another another short week and another challenge for for these young men in the brotherhood to to go out there and show that they can get punched in the mouth and get up off the mat and 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 find a way to win you know that that's what the physical mission teaches you is that if you don't like that the season's gone you know, not very well so far. You only have one win. You've been stomped a couple of times. Well, you know, it's what you learn here when the chips are down uh, that, that's really going to help you and the fleet and the Marine Corps going forward. So we'll be tweeting live during the game, uh, bringing you all the action from uh, Memphis. I do have to ask, though, Wags, are you going to be on the road? Are you making the trip down there to get some barbecue, listen to some music, and cover the game from the road? I am not going on the road. The management decided since it's a late 7.30 start, the game – story would not make the print edition 
Um, most people are not even going to read the game story until the next morning. And I will just write a recap, probably in column format, uh, that'll be available first thing on Friday morning for fans. All right, there you go. And as always, we always encourage you to get the great coverage of Naval, Naval Academy sports and local and Arundel County sports from Bill Wagner. Uh, read his stuff at the Capitol Gazette. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to bring in our coaches segment with uh, Navy sailing coaches Berman and Tahansky. And then we're going to talk to sailing legend Gary Jobson. Stick with us. We're going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. A few updates from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association, who are sponsors of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Tickets are available for Navy's home games. Visit NavySports.com today and click on the Tickets tab. Looking ahead, it's never too early to think about basketball. In fact, the Navy Men's Basketball Veterans Classic is back for another year. See the Mids take on Virginia Tech for a huge matchup in Annapolis on Friday, November 12th at 8.30 p.m. Tickets are on sale now at NavySports.com backslash tickets. And if you can't get to a Navy football game or the Veterans Classic, be sure to check out the latest in Naval Academy athletics by clicking on NavySports.com. You get all the information you need on varsity sports and the midshipmen athletes. Also, be sure to follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to participate in contests and games, as well as to be kept in the know on all things Navy athletics. Now back to the pod. All right, everyone, we are back, and it's time for our first coaching segment. We are really pleased to be joined by intercollegiate sailing coach Ian Berman. Uh, coach Berman is in his 13th year at the helm of Navy intercollegiate sailing. Number one, Coach Berman, thank you so much for joining Sing Second Sports. Number two, you know, walk us through what the season has been like so far in the fall. And for people who don't know a lot about what intercollegiate sailing is all about, what should they know? Well, thanks for having me, John. And um, first of all, intercollegiate sailing um, is basically the disciplines in, of sailboat racing that are sponsored by the Intercollegiate Sailing Association of North America, in which we compete for national championships. There are uh, going to be seven different national championships in the sport of sailing this year most of which are competed in uh, two-person dinghies. Uh, 420s and FJs are the most likely boats that we use for those. Uh, but we also do some match racing in small keel boats and single-handed sailing and lasers. Our sport runs in the fall and the spring. Uh, we have competitions all through September and October. Um, our fall national championships are in November. We get on the water again February, first week of February, and then we are competing in February, March, and April in our spring season, getting ready for our spring national championships, which take, which take place in late May and early June. Wags? Obviously a very successful spring. You captured the team race national championship. You captured the co-ed dinghy national championship. J.C. Hermes was named College Sailor of the Year. Can you talk about what a major step forward last spring was for Navy uh, intercollegiate sailing? That was huge. Um, we've been building our recruiting base and, and, our, and our roster depth and talent for years uh, to get to the point where we were ready to start competing with the very top programs uh, in 2019 to 2020. Unfortunately, our 2020 school year was cut short, so we didn't get an opportunity to compete for any championships that year. But um, just having the opportunity to get out there and make a run at it last year and then and then to come out on top was really special for us. Uh, hopefully that sets us up uh, to continue that momentum forward into this fall 
you know, we're coming into this season ranked number two in the country. Um, and uh, hopefully we can end up capping it off with a few more championships before this class of 22 graduates. So I know you lose a couple good seniors, but I mean, you bring back a lot of talent, don't you? Kimmy Leonard and JC, that's the one boat there. And um, I, I think you, you've got a good returning nucleus, don't you, Ian? Yeah, we have six All-Americans in the class of 22 from last year. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that's really what we're building our team around. Uh, we're also at this point trying to develop our younger sailors uh, so that they can end up being ready to push those guys in practice. Number one, uh, you know, play their role when needed to this year and be ready to, to carry the mantle forward next year. So here in the fall, you recently won the intrepid trophy. Can, is that a big one for Navy? I mean, I know the spring is your championship season, but as you mentioned, there are competitions in the fall and I got a feeling that that intrepid trophy was one of the bigger ones. Would that be accurate, Ian? Yeah, the Intrepid Trophy is our fall match racing championship for our, our conference, the Mid-Atlantic Intercollegiate Sailing Association. And uh, by winning that, we qualified for the match racing national championships. That's going to be taking place in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida on November 13th and 14th. We're really looking forward to that opportunity to, um, to, to go try to compete for try to win another national championship in 2021. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of our starters that, that, contributed to our big dinghy effort. We're part of that match racing crew that won the Intrepid Trophy. Uh, we're, right now we're in the process that we're going to be in J70s. So we're uh, reaching out to local alums and other supporters of our program to find J70s to practice with and reaching out to local sailors to, to train with to, uh, to prepare ourselves for that championship. So I see that Izzy Fadulin from Annapolis High is one of the freshman recruits, and I know she's a good sailor because she yep. and Tyler Mowry have won some championships together um, they're, they, they, they've won some high level stuff. Uh, just, uh, talk about the incoming class. I, it sounds like you got some good talent. I have to imagine after the success of last year and the success you've been having that, uh, recruiting's up. It is. And, um, we definitely got a good group that's here this fall. Uh, Izzy, as you mentioned, she's a local sailor. We have actually have two other local sailors, Lydia Forsberg, uh, grew up sailing at Annapolis Yacht Club. Uh, and in the D.C. area, her father's an academy grad. And Ryan Waba is a Severn School alum who spent last year at prep school that's joining us here. He's done a ton of high level sailing. Uh, and th th those three have been a really good addition to the program. Um, we also have Tanner Kelly coming in from Rhode Island, uh, Cooper Walsh from Massachusetts, Robert Zeman from California uh, and Maggie Schuler from Texas rounding out this year's class. And, uh, and we're really excited about the contribution of all. Oh, and I forgot one, Evie Blavelt, um, little sister of Carlin Blavelt, who's, uh, who was, was already on our team before, uh, is here from Georgia. So I'm uh, really excited for the contribution those guys have made so far this fall. And, uh, and I've been excited to see how they've been improving and taking to the team culture that we've been establishing here. Well, Coach, we really appreciate the time and, and good luck to you as you go throughout the, you know, the, the fall and then your uh, championship season in the spring. Thank you for joining Sing Second Sports and come back anytime. Great. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Berman of the Naval Academy Sailing Team. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Coach Chahansky of Offshore Sailing. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports.
This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion? Or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Great conversation with Coach Berman. Um, we are going to continue the sailing theme. We are very honored to be joined by offshore sailing coach John Tahansky. Um, coach Tahansky enters his 16th year as the varsity offshore sailing head coach. What, what can you tell us about, you know, the program? How many sailors do you have? And, and for the uneducated listener here who might not know what offshore sailing does, what is it about it that, that completes that physical mission of the moral, mental, and physical obligations of the Naval Academy? What is it about offshore sailing that hits that physical mission portion? Hey, John, uh, thank you very much for having me on uh, this afternoon. I look forward to uh, uh, to our conversation. And Bill, good to see you. Um, Bill is a huge uh, proponent and uh, very helpful with the, the sort of the PR for, for our team. He's been a, a good supporter over the years. Uh, good to see you there. Um, so our team is, uh, is a little bit unique, uh, John, in that we serve both as a varsity sports team um, where we do uh, both intercollegiate um, sailing, competing against other schools. Uh, we also compete against the general public in a number of events over the course of the year. Um, but our, the, the other hat that our program wears here at the academy is we serve in the professional development department specifically. And we are one of the, the summer trainings um, in, in the ProDev department that, uh, where the midshipmen actually get cruise credit for participating with us. And, um, and the, the, the term offshore sailing team is a, can be a bit of a misnomer. You know, anybody who's been on a boat out here in the Chesapeake Bay would argue that we're certainly not in an offshore environment. And that's, uh, uh, that, that could, the case could be made. Um, but the, the, the delineation is big boats versus small boats, you know, keel boats, larger crews, that type of thing. And uh, so that just has sort of acquired the moniker of, a, of offshore type sailing vice, uh, vice the dinghy sailing. Um, the team here uh, at the academy, I've been fortunate enough to, to coach here for um, since 2005 when I first showed up. Um, and, you know, it's to, to see the, the things that our team does, um, the opportunities that are created for them in terms of developing their teamwork skills and, and their leadership skills. It's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not an academy grad. I wasn't in the Navy, so it's hard for me to speak firsthand. But the feedback that I get is, is that it really is does a great job of developing both of those traits in uh, in our athletes. Um, so you know, sailing uh, uh, you, you see the Navy forty four is all you know secured along the Wesley Brown seawall here. You know, those that's a complicated forty four foot um, uh, offshore sailing vessel that uh, is designed to, to to take you across the ocean if you wanted to. And um, we, we haven't crossed an ocean in one of those, uh, not during my time here, but uh, we also have a bunch of donated boats um, that we use uh, in a combination of them in, in both uh, our local sailing, as well as the stuff we do for the professional development in the spring and the summer. Um, the, uh, most of the team, interestingly, uh, come to the academy that have zero sailing experience when they show up here. So we, we don't have, uh, we don't recruit uh, in the same way that other sports teams do. And uh, so we kind of have a, a build it from the ground up type program 
starting with our junior varsity uh, program for police when they first show up. That's coached by uh, Nancy Haberlin as the head coach for, for that program in the fall. And um, typically that we take uh, 35 plus or minus uh, plebes on board uh, to, to start the fall after going through a, a, a tryout time. Um, the upper class members of our team, um, meanwhile, are uh, during the fall are, are competing on um, both uh, the Navy 44s as well as uh, three 35 footers that are called J105s. You'll see them tied up along the seawall here, sort of the odd looking uh, boats. And, uh, and we compete pretty much every weekend, both uh, in intercollegiate stuff as well as uh, um, the local area, uh, you know, sailing club type uh, events. So I've written a lot about Navy Varsity Officer Sailing over the years, and that's because, as John mentions, they do a lot of mainstream sailing in, in what already, I guess what you would call mainstream regattas. For instance, uh, the summer program is very important for Navy Offshore Sailing because that's when the sailors have some leave time and they can make longer trips and do overnight distance races. And the Annapolis to Newport race is a perfect example. Navy Offshore Sailing is routinely done extremely well in the Annapolis to Newport race in various classes. Um, and John does a, an outstanding job. When I first started covering sailing, John was with the J World Annapolis uh, law program and uh, was the owner of that. And, um, and now he obviously, this was a great hire by Navy. And how many years, JT? Good Lord, time flies. Are you gotta be getting close to 18 years over there? It's uh, 16. Um, yeah, I keep thinking I'm 35, 40 years old, whatever I was when I first started. This. <laughs> the, the mids all stay the same age. I get a year older every year. So, you know, damn. Um, but it's, uh, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's a very lucky uh, sort of a opportunity that I got to come over here and, and, and take on the job. But certainly going out and, and going into the ocean with these guys and uh, experience the things that, that they do, we do, um, has just, you know, there's very few opportunities where, midshipmen get the chance to go out and, and truly, you know, they're exposed. I mean, it's the, the risk of, of where we are, the things that we go out and do, if, you know, it, it's, it's amazing what, what we go and do. There's nothing contrived here. It's, it's the real deal. You're, you know, going to Bermuda, it's from Annapolis, it's 760 miles. And uh, there's no, you know, there's no rest stops along the way. There's no um, timeouts, <laughs> pause button, you know, you're in it. You got to cross the Gulf Stream. It's, I once equated it to, you know, getting on a little spaceship and going to the moon for you to be in the moon out there. Um, you know, there's, 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 uh, you got to be able to be totally self-sufficient. That's from basically managing your watches, the navigation, the strategy and tactics, keeping your boat going fast, managing yourself, um, you know, that, that your, your own physical uh, well-being that's eating, uh, sleeping, um, you know, and just uh, keeping uh, dry as best you can. And, um, and, and then when you go off watch, taking the responsibility of, of getting the proper rest so that you can come back on and take over for your alternate watch. I mean, it's, it's total reliance on one another when you're out on that boat. Um, I have a couple of euphemisms that I, that I use, the mids hate them, but uh, I always tell them, I said, you ain't in the backseat going to grandma's house anymore. And uh, if you think me being on the boat as the coach is, is I'm going to you know, save your butt from every last thing that can happen, that's, that's not true. Um, you all are relying on one another to, uh, to keep yourselves alive and on board this boat. And if heaven forbid you fall off for us to be able to come back and get you, uh, knock on wood, we, we don't have those things happen. Uh, uh, well, really almost never. 
Um, but, um, you know, we have to train uh, for that type of occurrence. There is, there is no support that's standing by to, to help us out when, when something goes wrong. And ultimately, that's, you know, forcing them to kind of rise in their level of maturity and taking on that kind of responsibility is it's what this institution is all about. And, um, and I, I can't think of a program that would do, you know, provide a, a better experience than, uh, than what we do going out on these boats and, uh, and, and executing the, the stuff that we do. So it's, it's humbling for me to be uh, the head coach of it. Um, and uh, I will tell you that, yes, there are some frightening moments at times. Um, I rely heavily on the mids' uh, respect for the, the sea and the, the boats and, um, uh, and, and the possibility that uh, if they make a wrong step that, uh, that the tiger can reach out and get them. That's another, that's another of my euphemisms. I said, you never know what tree that tiger's hiding behind out there. And, uh, but trust me, he is out there and he, ha- and he sees you. <laughs> and if you make a misstep, um, he's going to get you. And uh, we've got a few scratches from that tiger uh, over the years. And, um, but he's at this point, knock on wood, um, we've managed to escape the, the, the clutches. Well, I can just tell our listeners that I have the utmost respect for John and his entire staff. And that includes a lot of very dedicated volunteers who volunteer their time to come over and help teach these midshipmen how to sail properly. But I mean, basically, as John mentioned, they get ple- you know, plebes who go through the mandatory sail training during plebe summer, and they decide that they want to have offshore sailing be their outlet for their, their sports period. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're so capable of sailors that they go and win major events like the Annapolis to Newport race. I can't tell you how difficult that is. You're going against sailors with 25, 30 years experience, people like John himself who put together top-notch crews. So for Navy to go and win Annapolis to Newport race or Annapolis to Bermuda race or the uh, Block Island race week, which a few years ago, Navy uh, had the class victor in Block Island race week. I'm telling you, that speaks to tremendous training. And I agree with John. I mean, if you're going to be a surface warfare officer out on this, out on sea at all, what better training to have spent time on a boat having to operate as a crew like you do in sailboat racing? Yeah, for sure. The, um, uh, John, you asked about the team size. You know, we, we teeter between the second and third largest varsity squad here at the academy. Uh, between our JV and our varsity program, we have upwards of 90 people on our team. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, managing that is, can be a handful, uh, often, um, cause unlike a lot of our ball sport teams where everybody gets out on the same field and they're out in front of you and you can pull them aside and talk to them, you know, our guys are di- divided up onto a bunch of different boats and, uh, and out they go onto the river. So communicating with them, having, uh, uh, somebody, you know, aboard to help them, uh, develop their, their skills and technique, um, gets complicated. Um, Bill alluded to the point where we have a number of volunteer coaches that help us. You know, our staff here is, uh, is relatively small. It's uh, myself. Uh, I mentioned Nancy Haberlin, who is, serves as our junior varsity coach in the fall season. She jumps over and helps in the varsity side um, in the spring and in the summer. But um, we also have Pete Carrico, who's been here over 32 years as an assistant coach and is a super valuable guy, both as a technical uh, in his technical capabilities, but as well as his ability to, to help uh, mentor and, and coach the heads on board boats. And uh, the last uh, staffer that we've got is uh, a recent acquisition is 
uh, Aaron Sprague, who came to us as a sailing director at California Maritime Academy. She showed up in March and uh, has some really good chops in big boat sailing and has been a good addition to the team as well. But, uh, but we bring in a bunch of these out of outside volunteers that come in uh, and sail with us. And I, I see Gary uh, Jobson has just joined us here. <laughs> Gary's uh, volunteers for us. We're lucky to get him in here uh, from time to time to jump on and help out too. I'll, I'll be there today. So. All right, there, there we go. Now, Gary, you just got to bring some wind. I'm looking out the window here. It doesn't look so good right now. Uh -oh. um, but it's, again, the volunteer part component to this is, uh, is really critical because, you know, on any given day, we have seven or eight boats just in the varsity side, while Nancy has another 10 or 12 boats out on the JV side. And, um, you know, having somebody on board who can provide the, 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 the technical training is uh, is is a critical part of this, and uh, you know that was a real challenge during the COVID, as it has been for every team. Um, is how do you how do you operate? Well, we were forbidden from bringing any of the volunteers in here, so we basically did all of 2020, um, you know, just cobbling together whoever we could to help get out there, but we weren't able to use our our volunteer cadre. So we're back in the saddle with them though, and really excited to have them back on for this fall, and they've been very helpful. Well, John, I'll tell you, you've, you've already done a, a little bit of the intro for our next guest, uh, Gary Jobson. But, you know, as before I ask Gary the first question uh, for him, I'll end with you by by just asking, what, what's it like to have someone like Gary in this community to, to impart his knowledge on on these athletes at the Naval Academy? I, I would equate it to you know, say you're on a, a, you know, a college football team and you've got, you've got like Jerry Rice and Bill Belichick combined coming in to give advice, you know, about your, about your, you know, your football play. If I'm, if I'm a high school student out there considering the Naval Academy as a sailing experience, it, what does what having access to someone like Gary mean? Oh, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, we've got a, a number of folks that are, are, are accomplished and help us out here. Uh, but having Gary come in, uh, you know, with his experience, the breadth of experience that he's got is just incredible. And uh, even though Gary and, and I share some gray hairs up here, uh, the mids still know who Gary is, which uh, oftentimes when you get to the, this kind of an age divide, is <laughs> they, they go, who the heck is that guy? But uh, they've seen uh, his programming from the Volvo Ocean Race and America's Cup and whatnot. So it's... Uh, it's, it's pretty cool to have him. And, and, you know, it's, it's, he's not just a, a marquee though. He, he comes and adds a lot of value. He's been in, he's a coach from way back in the day um, where he spent time training from the, from the ground up. And uh, so he brings uh, the ability to do that on board the boat, but it kind of in a, in a flashy package. We're, we're very grateful to have him down the street from us and uh, able to help out from time to time. Well, Gary, and, and it was my honor to meet you. Uh, we, we met at a, uh, a, and an event for Sarah Elfrith uh, not too long ago. Um, and, and I enjoyed the conversation with you. And for our listeners, you know, Gary Jobson, you know, followed by an America's Cup win in 1977, he went on to become the voice of sailing in the United States. He was the president of U.S. Sailing, uh, World Sailing Board member, and the preeminent global ambassador uh, for the sport. Um, originally from Tom's River, New Jersey, shout out there. Um, you know, he's, he's been on ESPN. He was the national chairman of the Leukemia Cup Regattas from 1994 to 2017. And he continues, as John was just talking about, to race, cruise, day sail, give his knowledge to the midshipmen at the U.S. Naval Academy. So, Gary, number one, 
Thank you for joining us. And number two, what, what was it like? You're a former coach at the Naval Academy. What, what is it like to impart your knowledge on these young men and women who are going on to do such great things for our country? Well, first of all, I, I try to get over there about once a week during the season. Unfortunately, I couldn't do it during COVID. And I'll be over there later today. And I was over there last week. When you're working with the midshipmen, they're like sponges. They absorb everything that uh, you tell them. They have a capacity to ask good questions. They're in perfect physical conditions and they want to do better. These people are competitive, both the men and the women. They want to win the races. And I find it great fun. I, you know, I don't scream and holler ever on a boat. I kind of watch and make subtle comments and uh, we have a little talk at the end of the day. And I go through what I observed and, and I try to end with a little story, something that's relevant uh, to the sport of sailing. So I find it rewarding for me. I mean, you know, once a week to get out on the water, pretty good. And uh, the midshipmen make it easy because they're smart, they're in shape, they care, they want to improve. And it's a darn good competition uh, combination. And I, I think they're also lucky to have John Trahansky as part of the uh, coaching staff. He's one of the superstars in our sport, you know, A is a nice guy, B is a really good sailor and C is a great coach. And I'd put him in that order too. You know, you, you sail against John, you know, you're in a, a tough race, but he, he's uh, terrific. I think the job at the Naval Academy is what brought you to Annapolis originally. Would that be accurate, Gary? It, it is, Bill. I, I was the coach at the U S Merchant Marine Academy for four years, 1973 to 1977. I could joke I wasn't even born yet, but anyway, he was willing to. And uh, Captain Alex Grovner was the one that recruited me to come down to Annapolis. And uh, my wife got a job at the Anne Arundel Medical Center as a nurse, and I became the coach. And uh, we've stayed here ever since. It's a, it was a long time ago. And a lot of things have uh, passed underneath my keel over these 44 years. But it was the Naval Academy that got me here. and. Uh, and I'm still involved. I can't even imagine what your salary was back then. It's probably, well, John Dansky probably makes like 10 times that now. Well, I, I can tell you. So at Kings Point, I started out at 11200 And after four years, I was all the way up to 14000 And then I came to the Naval Academy, and it was twenty three five, And uh, a year later or so, it might have been twenty four. So I went off to free enterprise. It was, it was a good move. <laughs> so... I would say so. Well, but, Gary, you know, you uh, a lot of inflation. So I don't know what 23.5 in 1978 equates to in 2021. Well, I was going to ask Gary, though, which I always find amazing. And, you know, the new 44 footers are very similar to the old 44 footers and that they were built to take a beating. I mean, they're training vessels often used by very inexperienced sailors and they get run into pilings and have other issues. And so I always am amazed when Navy sails a, a 44 to victory in the Naples to Newport race. Cause I think John Zahansky might've said one time, it's like sailing a RV. Um, but are you always amazed about the, how the 44s still succeed on the water and sail to their rating uh, with, with the Navy offshore sailors on board? Well, I, I, if you're asking me, I, find that when you get to sail four or five days a week and then on the weekends 
the midshipmen get good. I mean, I go out with these crews and spinnakers go up and down. They tack well, the tactics, and, you know, everything's fine-tuning. You don't have to start from scratch. And most of the offshore sailors, uh, John will speak better than me, but uh, a lot of them are new to sailing when they get there, but they're not new to sailing by the time they get charged in their uh, second and first class years. They're good sailors. But it's very cool to see all these colleges come together in bigger boats. Not everything is dinghies. And when you graduate from college, a lot of the sailing is in handicapped type boats and offshore races and something that I'm very passionate about. And I think when you do an offshore race, you learn a lot. You connect with nature, you understand teamwork, you understand uh, leadership and how to make a boat go down and weather. And you're out there by yourself. And sure, mistakes are made, but that's what learning is all about. And I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that we have better naval officers in our Navy uh, protecting our country as a direct result of being on a sailing team. We look forward to you, uh, to seeing you more in, uh, in Annapolis. And thank you so much for the contributions. We are going to go to break. When we come back, uh, we're going to take this out. Uh, thanks for sticking with us on Sing Second Sports. We'll be back. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Many thanks to our sponsors and uh, AAA, who have been so great, um, you know, getting us access to athletes and staff, uh, supporting the podcast the way they have since the very beginning. The Montana 3000 podcast uh, by Sean Gallagher, class of 96. Also to Brian and Lisa Bolter of Dry D5 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis, uh, sponsors and friends of the pod since the beginning. Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis for sponsoring our post-game report and to the Graduate Hotel, great hosts and great sponsors for our pre-game show and tailgate party from right there at their West Street location. Uh, really enjoyed talking to the sailors, as I like to say. And, and yeah, for your context, we, you know, we made it our goal um, about 18 months ago, right before COVID turned everything upside down, as we hatched this in a DC coffee shop, um, our producer, Chris Cervello, and I wanted to talk about all of the sports that take place at the Naval Academy to include club uh, intramural. We wanted to talk to all the athletes. We wanted to get all of those perspectives. So many thanks to the sailing coaches for making themselves available to talk about, you know, what their athletes do and the challenges they're up against and how they fit into the physical mission. And then again, I'm, I'm no, I'm no sailing enthusiast, uh, but you know, having someone like Gary Jobson on is a huge coup and, and a great thing. And then having midshipmen have the interface with him or the potential interface with him is just fantastic. So I don't know about my uh, compatriots here, but I enjoyed it. Um, I'm still the guy when I had to get sailing qualified to graduate from ROTC. I turtled my laser and could not write it. And I actually thought that they weren't going to let me graduate. So it wasn't physics that almost derailed this uh, colorful and um, successful career, but it was rather sailing. So before we go out, Let's make some predictions. Um, I'm terrible at these. I don't know if I've picked a correct Navy game yet. 
this year. In fact, I'm over. I know I'm over. Um, so, you know, w- without any further ado, I'm going to go to the expert first, Chris Cervello, to see what his prediction is for Memphis. Then we'll hear from Wags. And then if you're thinking about what not to do in Vegas regarding uh, Memphis and Navy, I will pick last. So take some notes. Cervello, over to you. Yeah, I think you and Wags hit it in the first segment where you said it's all going to um, depend on the offense. Um, I think Navy covers. Uh, the spread is 10 and a half. Um, I think it's closer than 10 and a half. I even think Navy wins. I mean, I, I said last week that I thought Navy would win. I, I think we played well enough to win in the first half. I'm going to go that Navy covers. Um, I think they win. And I think the uh, they get more than 55 points. So I'd take the over. Wags, what say you on this? Man, it's a tough one, John. And I'm with you. I haven't been doing very well on my predictions. Um I think Memphis's defense is terrible, and that gives me hope. Um, I feel that Navy's offense probably worked really hard this week to get things together, and I do believe they will come out, move the ball, and score some points. However, Memphis is incredibly explosive. Just the Calvin Austin, the wide receiver and, and returner, is just – he is a burner. Um, it's going to be high – I think it's going to be high scoring – I think Memphis is going to win 35-31. I just I'm giving Memphis the edge based off of home field advantage. That's all. I think Navy will be improved offensively, but it it's going to be hard to stop this Memphis attack, John. Uh yeah, I would say that that's probably a safe bet. Uh Hennigan his last 3 games has thrown for 329, 305 and 463 against Tulsa and Austin has receiving games this year of 239 yards, that against Arkansas State, um, but also a 200-yarder last game against Tulsa. Now, mind you, they've lost three in a row, so they're licking their wounds. They're pissed off. Uh, It's a short week for them as it's a short week for us. My prediction is high scoring, but in the wrong direction. I'm going to say Memphis 42, Navy 23, um, with Hennigan and, and Austin going off on a depleted uh, and uh, and vulnerable Naval Academy secondaries uh, coming in. Talking about high-powered offenses, before we go, I don't even know if you can call golf an offense, but um, we, we would be remiss if we didn't go out uh, congratulating recent friend and guest on the pod, Nick Clock. Um, if you didn't listen to his interview after he beat Army with that little slippery putt on number one, um, a, a week or so ago, uh, listen to that. What an incredibly impressive young man. And then all he did, no big deal, is roll out and drop a 62 during the Georgetown Invitational. Navy finished first of 12 teams. Clock was a medalist. He roared back from, I think, seven down. Um, and you can usually roar back when you shoot a 62. So, you know, talking to Coach Burke and Coach Owen, they said it was a sight to see. Congratulations to Nick. Um, just an incredible accomplishment. And the sky's the limit. I mean, there there's still a lot of season left for Navy golf. And, and I'm interested to see, you know, what this kid can do. Uh, because 62s are not just out there hanging on trees or else Chris Cervello and I would have picked them off the tree a long time ago. So congrats to Nick. Congrats to Navy golf. Uh, Good luck to Navy women's soccer uh, playing American uh, today on Wednesday. And then we're going to talk to Karen Gabera and one of the players before the big Army star match on Saturday. If you're coming to town this weekend, 
Saturday night, 7 p.m. at Glen Warner. Please come out and support Navy women's soccer, beating the hell out of Army. Go Navy, beat Memphis. Go Navy, beat Army. Go Navy, beat everyone. Four Wags, four Cerebello. I am Schofield. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.